0: Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing that you have made and forgive the sins of all those who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And work powerfully among us now, by your Holy Spirit and through your holy word. And all those keen to dig into the book of Hebrews said, Amen, amen. Um, Well, just a quick show of hands if you are easily distracted. Quick show of hands, there we go, a lot of hands went up. Quick show of hands if you need me to repeat the question because you were so distracted that you didn't even quite hear the opening question. Richard, absolutely. We are living in perhaps one of the most distracted times. Um, that you could live throughout history. We have at our fingertips, in our pockets, we have access to more information than previous generations and previous eras could have imagined. Uh, We have information overload. We have device overload. We have notifications. Our screen time goes up and up and up. We are constantly connected. Now, who's keen for some more distractions? there we go we've got a few people who are honest Um, well then who has seen the Apple Vision Pro that's come out in the last few weeks a bunch of people have seen that the same hands here's uh, here's a picture of the Apple Vision Pro this is um, uh, one of my favorite youtubers uh, Casey Neistat lives in New York brilliant storyteller uh, and this is a a screenshot from uh, from him demonstrating how the Apple Vision Pro works Um, Now, the Apple Vision Pro, according to Casey Neistat in this video, he says that the Vision Pro isn't just great, it's the single greatest piece of tech I've ever used, according to Casey Neistat. Now, uh, it's incredible. Uh, This is not just a VR headset, Uh, Kind of as you watch some of these videos and see how immersive this experience is, and as you hear some of these reviewers actually say, yes, it's heavy on my head, so I didn't forget that I was walking around with this thing on. And yet, as they walk around, they kind of actually, the the difference between life and the, the digital world kind of really starts to blur together. Uh, and the ability to walk around and have a, a menu over here and to have a video up there and to be sending a text message over here and put my fingers down here and kind of send a message and, and, and you know, kind of buy something over here, order an Uber over here, whatever. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it looks incredible and the reviews that are coming are incredible, but it looks terrifying doesn't it aside from looking ridiculously stupid walking around with some ski goggles on your head through the streets of new york or wherever you have the opportunity to test one of these products one day i think they will be less bulky and this is a sign perhaps of things to come and a greater connectedness a greater Uh, digitization of how we live and how we breathe and what we do and where we go. So much potential in such an incredible device and yet terrifying at the thought of how easily and how many more ways we can be distracted. And the reality is, you know, in an age where we have new devices coming out again and again and upgrading and and bigger and better and faster and more real and better download speeds and all those types of things for the follower of Jesus, the chaos, the voices, the distractions are only amplified, are they not? The the, the things that can grab our attention, that pop up on the notifications on our wrists, That we see through the goggles on our head. Whatever those distractions are can easily distract us from the main thing of looking to Jesus and following Jesus and devoting our lives to our King and our Savior who lived, died and rose again for us. The passage today hebrews chapter 3 if you've got a bible keep it out and keep it open if you don't have a bible there's a bunch of bibles at the back you can borrow one of those on any given week if you don't own a bible please grab one of those take it as a gift and i'd love to even meet up with you and and show you around the bible and show you how to use it uh, and how to even meet jesus uh, in that Book, But the passage today, Hebrews chapter 3, a relatively short paragraph, verse 1 to verse 6, is in many senses about being real with the distractions that we have because of the need for us as followers of Jesus to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to, to keep focused on him, to remain loyal to him, no matter what is going on around us. Now, before we kind of look at this particular text, it's worth doing maybe a a slightly extended introduction to understand something of the context of where we've found ourselves in Hebrews. This this book, Hebrews, um, is a a letter written to a bunch of Christians in the first century. It's almost like a, a sermon that has been recorded and written down and then passed on to some Jewish Christians. What does that mean? They were Jewish in that... Their heritage is that they were born uh, in Jewish families. They were, uh, they were following the religion of Judaism, and yet they're Jewish Christians. They've learned that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the King, and they've put their trust in him. And the context for receiving this letter is these people who have turned to Jesus are tempted to go back to some of the Old Testament stuff not that the old testament stuff as we've spoken about in recent weeks it's not that the old testament is bad don't go back there it's just that the old testament had a massive arrow pointing forward and jesus has come the fulfillment of the promises of the old testament has come in the coming of the lord jesus christ and the message is don't go back and the big message is jesus is better jesus is better now the last couple of weeks we've spent a bit of time talking about angels and how jesus is better than angels and and yet here's this thing uh in chapter three something bigger than angels is discussed someone more revered than angels in judaism is discussed and that is moses and so it's important for us to land in this spot spoiler alert like the point of the message is Jesus is better than Moses, but it's worthwhile slowing down a little bit before we dig into this paragraph to see something of the significance of Moses in Judaism. Something of maybe the temptation it would have been for the recipients of this letter to go back to Judaism, perhaps because of their elevated view on Moses. Moses. And so um, what I want to show you very briefly, and uh, these verses won't pop up on the screen, but I will refer to a few verses along the way, uh, are six things um, about Moses. Uh, this list of, six you could say more than six things about Moses. I've personally found Kent Hughes's commentary on uh, the book of Hebrews super helpful. And so these six things and the Bible passages next to them are from a list in Kent Hughes's book. And so there's six things we learn about the significance of Moses for uh, for judaism and for these jewish christians in the first century Uh, the first thing uh, that we understand about moses is that he was chosen the first thing he was chosen Uh, he was divinely chosen Uh, we we, we learn something about how god chose him at the right time uh, against all odds uh, in a context where babies were being slaughtered somehow Under the sovereign hand of God, Moses was spared. Moses ends up in the household of Pharaoh, um, the ruler of Egypt, uh, and God chose him. You can see God's hand upon his life. We read a lot of that in Exodus chapter 2. And then by Exodus chapter 3, he's now an adult. We see the call of God where he reveals himself, remember, through the burning bush to moses and reveals his name i am Uh, i am who i am god reveals his intimate name to moses number one moses was divinely chosen second as we keep reading in the book of exodus um, moses is the deliverer Uh, kent hughes talks about him as the incomparable deliverer of god's people through a remarkable display Of power Uh, we can read about that in Exodus chapter 7 to Exodus chapter 12 Uh, we, we learn about the the nine plagues upon the people of Egypt remember God's people Israel are enslaved in Egypt and Moses is given this job of going to Pharaoh and say that the Lord has sent me let my people go free Moses his heart is hardened he refuses and so God uses Moses in, the, in the, the time of Moses. We see the mighty and outstretched arm in judgment upon Egypt in those first nine um, uh, plagues. And then most miraculously, we see that 10th plague, the plague on the firstborn. We see under the leadership of Moses, the deliverer. We see the mighty and outstretched arm of God rescue a people for himself. We see the exodus. We see the crossing of the Red Sea. Moses was there. God, number one, chose Moses and raised him up. Number two, raised him up to be the incomparable deliverer. But then third in Kent Hughes' list uh, is that Moses served as Israel's greatest prophet. Uh, god spoke to moses and when god spoke to moses moses spoke to the people foundational chapters in all of scripture the foundational chapters as god makes himself known not just to moses but to the people we read this in numbers chapter 12 verse 6 if there is a prophet among you i the lord make myself known to him in a vision i speak with him in a dream not so with my servant moses he is faithful in all my house with him i speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in the riddles and he beholds the form of the lord no prophet has come like him no prophet is revealed in the old testament like him there's this level of intimacy that's maybe only in the old testament paralleled by adam in the garden where moses has this intimate access to god god speaks moses listens mouth to mouth what a an intimate picture what a prophet number one he was chosen number two he's the deliverer number three he's the greatest prophet number four moses was the lawgiver moses was the lawgiver And that is a big deal to the Jewish people. The law was the greatest thing that they had. And Moses was the one through whom God revealed the Ten Commandments, the Levitical laws, the sacrificial system, the the tabernacle. And God used Moses in making his law known. God has rescued his people to be his own. And then as a rescued people, God has said, therefore, live like this. Therefore, walk in obedience to me. I am the Lord, your God, who saved you, rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Number five in Kent Hughes's summary of Moses is that he was Israel's great historian. Uh, traditionally, it's been understood that through uh, God carrying Moses along by the Holy Spirit, Um, that Moses in some way was the author of the Pentateuch. That is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through to Deuteronomy. And then sixth, according to Ken Hughes' list, he was very meek. More than all people who were on the face of the earth. That's actually from Numbers chapter 12, verse 13. Isn't that remarkable? Even just as a little sidebar. With all this glory and all these ways in which God has used him he's still able to be described as not kind of having a big head (laughs) not thinking more highly of himself than he ought you got the six things from Kent Hughes number one chosen number two deliverer number three prophet number four lawgiver number five historian number six meek and so Kent Hughes then goes on to say that these six qualities among others can be summed up under one grand heading ready Moses, the great apostle and high priest of the Old Testament. Apostle is a sent one. Moses is the great sent one, sent from God and high priest of the Old Testament. You know, we read in Deuteronomy, um, upon the death, the end of Deuteronomy, I'm pretty sure Moses didn't write this bit. Uh, of deuteronomy but deuteronomy chapter 34 it says and there has not arisen a prophet since in israel like moses whom the lord knew face to face none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the lord sent him to do in the land of egypt to pharaoh and to all his servants to all his land and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that moses did in the sight of all israel there has not arisen a prophet since in israel like moses this is something of the position that moses has in the hearts and the minds of the people of israel you know Kent hughes goes on to say uh, to all jews moses was simply the greatest and according to one early tradition moses was superior to the angels having higher rank and privilege than the ministering angels and so it's almost like, well, we've just spent a bit of time talking about angels. But hey, we know that some of you think more highly of Moses than you do of angels. So maybe the author to the Hebrews has convinced his audience that Jesus is better than the angels. But now it's time to actually go, but, but wait, there's more. Jesus is better than Moses. And you can understand, again, back into that first century context. whether it's Jews or Jewish Christians, they had seen and beheld the greatness of Moses. And yet in the midst of this temptation of persecution increasing, opposition increasing, perhaps there's a temptation to, to see that maybe Christ is not worth it. And Moses is a pretty good deal. And so I guess you're going to sit firmly in the Moses camp and worry a little bit less about Jesus what does hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 to 6 say to that person in that context and what does hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 to 6 say to us who are maybe tempted to move on from jesus tempted to go back to our old lives it may not even be that moses is a big deal in your life my guess is he probably isn't but back to where we began with the distractions that we have and the things that are uh, uh, averting our gaze away from Christ. Chapter three, verse one to six, will help us to, to to see Christ, to keep seeing Christ, to see that He is better, and to hold fast to Him. Look, there's three things, and we're going to move relatively quickly through um, this paragraph. But there's three things I want you to notice about Jesus, the one who is greater than Moses. Um, from this section, the first thing, number one, is that Jesus is faithful like moses jesus is faithful like moses it begins chapter three verse one therefore holy brothers and sisters you who share in a heavenly calling we've we've just heard at the end of chapter two um, about how jesus has tasted death on behalf of people To draw us into the family of God, that we would be able to call God Father, adopted as his children, because Jesus, our brother, has called us into this heavenly assembly. This is who you are. This is what you share. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, consider Jesus, the apostle. This is the only place in scripture that refers to Jesus as an apostle. And he's obviously a sent one in John's Gospel. But Jesus, the apostle, and high priest we talked about high priest a little bit last week we'll talk about it even more in weeks to come consider jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession he's at the heart of what we believe what we profess what we have turned to who verse 2 was faithful to him who appointed him just as moses also was faithful in all god's house You see rather than saying Moses really wasn't very good first of all no no he he served God faithfully God raised him up God used him and so rather than Moses really wasn't very good but hey Jesus is a bit better it, it begins by actually talking about the faithfulness of Moses in the work of Moses and the faithfulness to the call that God had on Moses life as an apostle and high priest well jesus is an apostle he's a sent one jesus is a high priest who intercedes for us and jesus is one who like moses was faithful in all of god's house in the tasks that god gave him in leading god's people jesus likewise is faithful but we don't have to go too far to see that not only is jesus like moses jesus is better than moses number two is that jesus is greater than moses have a look at as it continues it says for jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than moses as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself for every house verse four is built by someone but the builder of all things is god you see, Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses. Now, Moses was faithful. We have just heard that in verse 1 and 2. And yet Moses was part of the house. He was part of the people of God. Jesus, by implication, is the very builder of the house. Jesus is the one over the house. Jesus is the great creator of the house. We've already met him in chapter 1 as the one by whom and through whom all things made we meet jesus is not just a man he is the great god man god come amongst us in the flesh jesus is god the son the creator enters into his creation you know we can see a wonderful building we can walk past a wonderful building we can enjoy a wonderful building but we're also always conscious that there's a builder there's an architect there's a creator behind this thing You see a lovely building begin in the old testament as god gathers a spiritual house in and through his people the people of israel led by moses and countless others throughout the old testament god is building something gathering a people a special people his prized possession to be his people shining his light in the world and yet as faithful as moses was moses was Perhaps part of the building, but he was always in the building, as the building, as one of the people of God. And yet Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is the builder of all things. Jesus is the one who is the head over the building. You see, verse 5 continues and then says, Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. I love that little hint there. Hey, you like the word of Moses? You like the rule of Moses? You like the, um, the position of Moses? Well, if he was the greatest prophet, he spoke about things to come. And they've now arrived. The things that Moses spoke about, which are to come, have now arrived in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. The one that, that Moses was pointing towards, the one that all of Old Testament Scripture was pointing towards, has now come. Yeah, Moses is faithful in all God's house as a servant. And yet look at the way it describes Jesus. Verse 6, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Moses is the faithful servant, but Jesus is the faithful son of God. And the son trumps the servant. This is the son of God. His faithfulness is next level. And here's the thing that we we need to remember about the difference between Jesus and Moses and and to highlight the point that Jesus is greater than Moses. Remember, while, while Moses is described as faithful, he was actually still in need of the work that God did for his own sake. What do I mean by that? He still needed his own sin to be dealt with from before he was called by God. And even while he was serving God, it's it's not that he was perfect he might have been faithful but he wasn't perfect in the way that he served god but jesus the son well he's the one that lives the perfect life and again we'll we'll look at these themes of being a high priest but he's different from the high priests who have come before the high priests who've come before make sacrifices on behalf of the people to atone for their sin that they can be restored in relationship with their god and yet they also needed to make sacrifice for their own sin because they had rebelled against god you see moses is moses is part of mediating uh, this covenant from god moses is part of this building that god is doing this giving of the law this establishment of a people this leading of a people and yet he was one who also needed to be led he was one who also needed to be forgiven he was one who needed the very sacrificial system that he helped to set up he needed it for himself to deal with his own sin his own rebellion, his own rejection of the God who made him. And yet in Jesus, the Son, there is no need for Jesus to offer sacrifice for his own sin because he is without sin. He's the only one who has loved God wholeheartedly and loved his neighbour as himself. We regularly say, we regularly confess our sin. God, we, we are sorry for the ways that we have sinned against you in thought, word and deed. Jesus' thoughts were always in alignment with his Father. Jesus' words were always in alignment with his Father. And Jesus' deeds were always in alignment with his Father. And so the building project that Jesus is part of, through him giving up of himself on the cross, dying for us and rising again the building project that jesus has brought about through his life through his death and his resurrection is a once for all moment no more sacrifice needs to be made for sin moses helps to bring in the sacrificial system but it's a system he needed for his sin jesus brings an end to the need for a sacrificial system through his once and for all sacrifice three things to see about jesus number one jesus is faithful like moses but number two jesus is greater than moses the third and final thing i want you to see is that jesus is building his house we've got a lot of that house type of language moses was part of the building project in the old testament jesus is part of the building project in the new testament and continues to build his church have a look at verse 6 again it says but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son and listen to this and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope Matthew chapter 18 we we learn that Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it Jesus has been fulfilling that word by his spirit through his word empowering ordinary disciples like us for the last two thousand years to be part of that building project and it and it says to these original recipients and i trusted it it says the same thing to us that we are his house we are part of the building that jesus is doing we are part of the household of god we've already seen that back in chapter 2 And yet, did you notice, it says, and we are his house, verse 6, what's the next word? If. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. It's not boasting in ourselves, it's in our hope, which is found in Jesus. You see, this in many senses, and we're going to see this again and again throughout Hebrews, these really key verses that remind us of the big picture of Hebrews. You are the people of God. You are the household of God. You you are being gathered. You belong to God. You can call him Father because your brother Jesus tasted death on your behalf. If we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now, that's not suggesting that we save ourselves by holding fast to God. That's not suggesting that that's some work that we do that merits favor with God. No, no, no. The the way that anyone is saved, brought into relationship with God, is through what Christ has done in his perfect life, his sacrificial death and his triumphant resurrection. We are saved by grace, not by works. There's nothing in our hand that we bring. We simply cling to Christ. And yet there's this call to actively hold on. And and the danger for these people is, are they about to let go? It's not try and save yourself and do more to save yourself, but hold on to the Savior. Hold on to the the, the lifesaver. Hold on to the one who has come to the depths of the ocean to rescue you. Just hold on. He's the one doing the saving. Just hold on to Him. Hold fast our confidence, which is in Him. Hold fast our boasting, which is in Him. Hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. You know, as a church, we we, we speak about the dream to be a city of refuge within the city of Brisbane, where many people have found refuge, security and hope in Christ. That's what we believe Christ offers. Freely to all who would turn to Him. To all who would trust in him and and so what do we do we hold on we keep trusting in jesus you know we uh, after our opening songs the this afternoon we we prayed some pretty heavy stuff wasn't it? it was a little bit confronting to kind of agree with all of those statements a little bit confronting to kind of go okay i probably didn't even realize it sin like that this week but seeing those words well, I kind of have to agree <laughs> for, for we've all sinned and, and as a church we, we don't want to shy away from saying sin is sin and sin is not good and sin is deserving of the judgment of God the wrath of God we prayed about the wrath of God that seems a little bit confronting and yet the good news is that as we bring our sin to God as we confess our sin to God as we come and put our trust in Jesus we are offered hope an imperishable hope, a living hope, an eternal hope, a resurrection hope, that just like Jesus' tomb is empty, our tombs will be empty. Just like Jesus was raised from the dead, we will be raised from the dead. We will live forever in the household of God, beholding the glory of God, calling God our Father, beholding Jesus, dwelling with the Spirit, dwelling with all of God's people. We have hope And yet the call today is hold fast to that hope. You see, verse 1 began saying, consider Jesus. And then verse 6 concludes saying, keep clinging to Jesus. Consider Jesus. Cling to Jesus. And there's a sense in which that's... there's, There's the essence of Christianity, isn't it? Look, it might well be that you're not you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the invitation to you is consider Jesus. See who he is, see his greatness, see what he offers and see the hope that can be found through him who lived, died and rose again for you. And the message for those that are trusting in Jesus is to, is to keep trusting Jesus. You know, we, as we began, we spoke about the distractions that we have upon us that the, the screens that consume us and that we are addicted to we are being formed by our devices we are being de- for, be- formed by the voices that we are, we we have rhythms of life through the media we consume and the patterns and the practices of our world and a, a key part of what it means to be the people of God is to work out how do we actually keep trusting Jesus how do we kind of remove some of those distractions and, and keep our eyes fixed on him you know, as a church, we, um, we talk about our mission is to know Christ, love the church and serve the city. And as we talk about how we want to do that, uh, well, we do that through Sundays, Daily Grace, Home Groups and Living Scent. Uh, the second one there, um, what was it? Daily Grace uh, is, I guess, a key way that we want to know Christ. We want to know Christ deeply through personal rhythms of, of grace. Of, of We gather Sunday by Sunday and that's a big deal. Do it. Come every week. But then when we're sent out what does it look like to walk with jesus for the rest of the week what does it look like to consider jesus what does it look like to cling to christ holding fast to our hope that is in him i'm not going to read out everything up on the screen there that's from our vision documents about even how do you kind of How do you create some rhythms and some type of structure in your life? Uh, The quote up there is about how to create a, a rule of life and why we need a rule of life and what's included in a rule of life. And ultimately, the goal of a rule of life is how do I how do I intentionally go about my life that I that I want to know Christ and I'm putting things in place that help me to know him, to know him deeply, that remind me every single day of who he is. Of what he has done and the call to keep trusting in him uh, there's a bunch of um resources that will pop up on the screen you might want to take a photo of this next slide uh, just a, a few websites that i um, one of the things that we, we want to regularly be doing is encouraging one another to know christ every single day to embrace daily grace uh, if you haven't been to bible.com it has the bible in like every language that the bible exists in um, go there. It's got incredible reading plans. Um, ESV.org. Um, that's the version that we use at church. But I've discovered in the last couple of months an amazing subscription. I think it's thirty bucks Australian a year for some incredible commentaries, incredible books that you can find alongside that'll help you to dig in a little bit deeper. That's ESV.org. But first, Bible.com. I've mentioned that earlier this year. That's just a Bible reading plan that I help to manage, um, working through the Bible every year. New City Catechism. If you follow our social media, uh, a bunch of questions and answers. Answers uh, across 52 weeks um, that remind us of what it means to, to, to know Christ. Um, the next one there, rethinkme.com. This thing is amazing. This is the daily prayer app. It's this little orange app uh, working through a bunch of Anglican prayers. I get a notification four times a day on my phone from this particular app. Um, and I try as many times as possible, even if I can just take a couple of minutes. It may not be a convenient time. Can I stop? be reminded of the word, be encouraged to pray, and to be really specific about that. Um, That has been one of the most profound apps uh, in my own life in the last year in particular. And the final one up there is listentoverses.com, a great project of some really good music with scripture, um, memory verse type of things, but think not kids, think adults, actually music you might want to listen to. Uh, I've personally been ministered to deeply Uh, by the music that I've listened to on listentoverses.com hey there's a bunch of resources to help you to consider Christ and cling to Christ and uh, let me encourage you even if you're in our WhatsApp groups or in the chatter group or um, Daily Grace group on the WhatsApp um, share the things that are helping you uh, to keep trusting Jesus that really is the message of Hebrews is to keep trusting Jesus we've considered him And now we cling to him we keep our hope fast in him we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope look we're going to um, sing a couple of songs in a moment to close out our service I'm gonna pray as well Uh, but another thing I want to introduce you to uh, this week that we hope to do every few weeks uh, is uh, one of the one of the ways to respond uh, at the end of the message is to pray Uh, And so, during these songs, we've actually got Matt and Anne, she'll kind of be over that way, over there, uh, ready to pray with you. Um, uh, It might be praying of some things that you've been struck by today, praying that God will help you to see Jesus more clearly. It might be praying that God's Spirit will help you to cling to Jesus more firmly. Or it might be anything else going on in your heart, in your life. Uh, Matt and or Ange would love to pray with you uh, during these next two songs. uh, And so feel free uh, to go over there at any stage. Um, But why don't you pray with me now um, as we conclude our time in this word. Father, thank you for Moses. Thank you for the example that he was, uh, um, a faithful servant of yours. You used him remarkably. But we thank you that Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Jesus is more glorious We thank you that while Moses was faithful as a servant, Jesus is faithful as the son. Jesus is the the one who is building the house. And Father, thank you so much that we can be part of that house. We, We are part of that house because of what Jesus has done in his perfect life, in his sacrificial death and his triumphant resurrection to draw us into your family. And Father, we ask that right now, you would help us to think about our lives and think about the rhythms of our lives And would you help us, even as we are sent out this week, to consider Christ and to consider some of the distractions that might be taking us away from Christ? Would you give us the disciplines to to, to turn our backs on some of our notifications? Um, and, And would you help us to keep looking to Jesus, to keep looking at him who is building the church, who is gathering together a people? And Father, we ask that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to hold fast to Christ. Uh, to to hold our confidence in him, our boasting in our hope, uh, knowing how wonderful he is and knowing how wonderful the salvation he offers to us is. Um, Father, we ask that you'd help us as a community to spur one another on to keep trusting Jesus, that as we continue to work our way through this book, um, you would meet us and that you would convict us, that you would challenge us and that you would encourage our hearts. Please work powerfully among us, even right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.